Neighborhood Church. To find out more about who we are, go to neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Enjoy the message. Dietrich Winter, and really is a, a privilege to share this morning and, and talk. Uh, I get the opportunity periodically here and there, and um, yeah, it's really a, an honor. So, uh, and to be in person for the first time in a long while is great. <coughs> uh, have you ever found a space for you that is just perfect, where you know you're entirely comfortable, warm? feeling safe, cozy. For me right now, that's like my living room. I've got a wood stove in the corner of our living room, and I love getting that thing going just below the red area on the thermostat, and you sit in a chair right in front of it, and it doesn't matter how cold the rest of the house is. Kids are complaining about their bedrooms being cold. doesn't matter right there. It is just, you're like, wrapped in this radiant heat from this, and it's a tiny little wood stove, but it's just, it's glorious. And that's like my perfect space, right, in my living room. You know, you don't even have to like wrap up in a blanket or anything. You're just super warm. It's like a sauna, but in the corner of the living room. Not, not quite. I mean, I haven't thrown any water on it yet, but uh, I don't really want the, all that humidity in my house, but it, it's an awesome place. And, uh, Spaces like that, if I, if I branch out a little more like into spiritually and holistically, places where I felt just uh, at peace and safe, uh, the warmth of being cared for. Uh, I think of times where I was in worship uh, back as a teenager, and even in my adult life, where, you know, in a group of people worshiping a divine God, um, kind of losing yourself to the music and uh, being open to hearing from God, learning from God, and almost, <coughs> you know, it, <coughs> excuse me, an intangible, like, felt presence of what God is doing in that moment. And that, for me, like, really embodies what I think of when I think about the Holy Spirit. Um. We're we're going through a f- uh, some talks here. I know Chris talked about like what do we what do we mean when we talk about God or what do we mean when we talk about different subjects, and I'm talking to what do we, what do we mean when we talk about the Holy Spirit? We use that term. It's a great conversation to have. You know, we as human beings we use information compression like to communicate. We we have symbols, we have words, and they can have a whole ton of information behind them, right? Like the Holy Spirit's a great example. There are probably innumerable volumes of academic uh, books, papers written on the Holy Spirit. And I uh, got my education from a charismatic Pentecostal college, university, and I know, like, there's a lot of books on the Holy Spirit. So to, like, just even throw out that kind of word, and we have to essentially uh, compress information, and then the person on the receiving end opens it back up. But, of course, we all bring our experiences and the things we've learned 
and the way that word has been used in the past to decompress, oh, he just said Holy Spirit, what does that mean? And if you've experienced some life and, and life in the church, you've probably experienced some of the variety of thinking and responses and interactions with the Holy Spirit. And you may bring uh, painful experiences to the table. You may bring um, experiences that were not pleasant or times uh, that were great. And it's all a mix. For me, I'm spending a lot of time thinking about this. You know, what do I believe? What do I think about the Holy Spirit? What do I mean about the Holy Spirit? Now, at almost 45 years old, you know, I'm like halfway dead. So <laughs> I've experienced a whole bunch of different things. Um, and that's not a threat to reevaluate. Well, what, what does the Holy Spirit, what role does that have in my life? Uh, what does that mean for me? It's not a threat because I realized that I've actually gone through this experience multiple times throughout my, my life, starting all the way back as a teenager, having uh, my initial um, religious influences coming from a Pentecostal background, where I was just open and excited for this faith that I was discovering. Uh, people pouring this knowledge into me and these experiences and telling me what the Holy Spirit was for them, how to experience it, uh, how to enjoy the Holy Spirit, what it meant for us as a community of believers. And then, but then having lessons through this that made me question, like, huh. Um, for example, uh, I remember as a teenager, just, you know, passionately worshiping as part of a group. And um, sometimes people would have physical responses to uh, the Holy Spirit or what was going on, uh, you know. And interesting thing happened to me is that I remember being in one particular worship event where I tripped and I fell. And no one held me up. They held me down. <laughs> and and because uh, at times they would celebrate like, oh, this person is being affected by the Holy Spirit in a way where they fall on the ground, you know. But I legitimately fell on the ground. <laughs> but then, yeah, yeah, legitimately. Uh, but as a teenager, it was also a little embarrassing. Like, oh, do I get back up? Like, it looks to everybody like I've had this some sort of experience that has like smacked me to the ground. Um, it would be embarrassing to get up or get up now, you know, so I just stayed there. I was a little scared, like, I don't want people to think I was faking, so I just faked. <laughs> so <laughs> so <laughs> that was a, a, a moment in, in, in my experience where I'm like, okay, um, God can be doing things. We can be experiencing something in our worship or in our, our prayer, in our lives, and um, sometimes what we see and like we can observe isn't always what we we think it is and it it isn't always a clear-cut thing and there's a bit of our humanness wrapped up in it whether it's an embarrassed teenager um, uh, or another experience later in young adulthood as a, a young pastor uh, experiencing student ministry and experiencing an interest one thing I love to do is to take groups to other areas of the country and do work projects and things like that. And it was always interesting to, like on Wednesday night, go to some other church's youth group and experience youth ministry somewhere else. For one thing, it meant I didn't have to preach, but <laughs> it gave you a night off. But students got to meet other people, experience a different way of doing uh, church and community. And But I had this eye-opening experience where you realize 
that our metrics that we measure in life, uh, in our own lives, but then in ministry and in communities of faith, can sometimes influence what happens, especially working with teenagers. If you've been in organizations where you have the, uh, you're the cool young adult influencing a group of teenagers, you've gathered people, they think you're super cool, and just through what you measure, they can tell what's important to you. They'll tend to give it to you. So, and I had this experience where just you could hear from the language of the people leading the, the event, what they really cared about was how many people, <laughs> coincidentally, fell down that night or um, spoke in a, a foreign language, like in tongues, or had some other thing that they could visually see. And, and from being, being an outsider, I was like, oh, yeah, and everybody's the students want to please you, and they're going to give you what you want. So that was a learning moment for me that we can also influence things in a way that's unhealthy if we're measuring things the wrong way versus a community that is caring and serving each other and teaching. Our metrics can easily lead us into a weird, weird route, weird, weird route. So... Um, <laughs> then w experience a little later in ministry, uh, I worked under somebody who is a wonderful person, but I also, uh, periodically he would have Holy Spirit sermons, or Holy Ghost sermons, where he's like, you know what, I'm just going to throw out this message, I feel like Holy Spirit's telling me to say something. And um, being someone on the practical side of ministry, it's like, oh, he didn't have time to prepare this week. Um <laughs> That is, that's an interesting trick there. So, that, so I learned it's possible to also become cynical about God moving on things and, and working through us and saying a new message, perhaps. Now, no fear, we're not going to jump up and start doing anything crazy Holy Spirit-wise or you know, knocking people over. Uh, or in one case, we went to a church and we started march. The first time we were in the church, they're marching around the building uh, doing a, they called it a Jericho thing. Um, what was it? <laughs> Jericho March. Yeah. Um, but uh, again, I'm at 45, and where am I at with this now with the Holy Spirit? Thinking there was so good and beautiful things happening, actually, in all of those situations. There was amazing community, even though there was an overworked pastor working two jobs who sometimes didn't have time to prep for a message. Uh, and and yes, he blamed it on the Holy Spirit. But it was a great community and loving community. Um, there was um, amazing things and times of worship in student ministry and as a teenager. And not everything was super healthy, but great things still happened. <laughs> uh, this is no reference to Chris's student ministry at all. It was perfect. So <laughs> and for me, it actually all goes back still to the basics that I learned as a teenager, a 16-year-old. Um, interestingly, I got talked into being part of Bible quiz, and I meant memorizing scripture, and I memorized uh, large chunks of the book of John, and it's just stuck with me. It's in my head, and it defines for me a lot of what the Holy Spirit is about. And there's, there's three places through John chapter 14 and 16 where the Holy Spirit gets referenced by Jesus, and Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. And, and it's just little snippets but each time he talks about, in the NIV of the early 90s, the comforter. You know, I'm going to go, 
so the comforter can come. In uh, English language, of course, is always adapting and changing, so the translations have changed over, I realized the other day, 35 years <laughs> since the NIV first came out, so like, oh my goodness. Um, yes, in over 35 years, believe it or not, language has changed a little, so now it says like the advocate, but it could also be like counselor, uh, comforter, it's kind of all those nuances together. And I remember as a teenager, kind of as a blank slate, I did not grow up in church, but came to this as a teenager, like that, oh, comforter, like just the naming of the Holy Spirit. In another, in, in one of those references, it says the, the advocate who will come, you know, comma, the Holy Spirit. So we know Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to come, and its role is as a comforter, an advocate, someone to come alongside you, to guide you. And just in using that term, really defining a lot for me what the Holy Spirit is about, bringing care, bringing comfort, advocating for us. And then the other thing that gets mentioned in those three places in John 14 and 16 is that the Holy Spirit's going to bring you into all knowledge. It's going to help you understand the things that Jesus has taught. Now, the thing that blows me away about this and that really stuck with me as a teenager in chapter 16 is he says, it's better that I go so the comforter can come. And, and even then it stuck with me, like, wait, why? how could it be better that Jesus goes so the Holy Spirit can come? And I think it goes to that, like, enlightening us and comforting us. Like, the disciples, followers of Jesus, they've just spent three years following this person around, absorbing everything they could about him, living with him, uh, being healed by him, cared for by him, comforted by him, sometimes instructed and, and strongly. But oh, that's just, like, one point on a whole globe and one point in time with one group of people and Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit can come and can guide you into all the things I've been teaching you, but going forward in everyone, the Holy Spirit can be available to everyone in guiding into these things, the teaching you this way, this life. So it's like Jesus, but turned up to 11. As, uh, some of you are old enough to know that. Okay, uh, the nth degree. So you have care, you have this enlightenment, you have teaching, and they're all going on. And what I think is really amazing about this is it really points to uh, a revelation or a reality of what God is doing that is very fluid. Uh, sometimes we can easily get stuck into what God, what Jesus was doing, what Jesus has taught. It was very static. Okay, we, we have what was recorded by later disciples and apostles written down, and it's very static, and we get that is period, and that's all it is. But this points to a whole different way of working with God, that God, for, to care, to, to care and enlighten and teach means there's like a flow that we can step into, and God is working and teaching and enlightening for generations to come. Uh, it makes me think of how this, the Holy Spirit, is how we would come from Jesus' time through enlightenment, through renaissance, to modern science, and we can see God working through what exists now and something that is so different. Modern miracles of science that would be literally thought of as miracles 2,000 years ago, right? So a different kind of world. So let me jump to the second part of the thing that was influential to me, and that was Acts 2. And this is essentially the Holy Spirit hootenanny 
of the New Testament. And uh, I'm going to give you kind of the high points for me, what's important. So the, because all the, Jesus has died, he's, he's been raised again, he's, um, he's gone up to heaven, and now all of his followers are gathered together, and they're praying, and they're worshiping, and the Holy Spirit shows up in a very physical, visible way. And everybody around them can kind of see what's going on, there's something here. But for me, the key part of the story is that people from all over that region of the world have gathered together here in this one place. And there's at least 14 languages and areas of the world mentioned where people had come from. And they're all hearing these, these disciples speak in their own language. And they get to hear and be enlightened to this message of Jesus and his way of life despite coming with different languages from different parts of the world, and they get to experience it. Now imagine yourself, I don't know if you've, you've ever been in that situation where you've been in the middle of a crowd but felt completely alone. I, um, I am comfortable, for the most part, teaching up in front of a crowd. Um, I, I enjoy it, but I'm also very much an introvert. So there are times where, uh, you know, I've left my comfortable place and gone someplace and been in a whole crowd but also felt really alone where I'm like, I didn't know anybody, I didn't really feel like putting my neck out and meeting, making new friends, and I'm like, yeah, I might as well have stayed home, I'm not getting anything more from this, right? Well now you've come, imagine coming from a different part of the world to gather together, you have a shared faith with a group of people, but you don't speak the language. You know, you're there, maybe with your immediate family, you're very much in a giant crowd, but still just as if you were at home with your family, right? And suddenly, you understand what's going on. Other people are speaking your language. The Holy Spirit effectively ends up being a great conduit for connection and for community, for people to participate together and have a space where they can, they can learn, where they can be cared for, where they can connect. And this is a part I think uh, I personally can forget about the Holy Spirit. I focus so much on the things that are visible and measurable back in the, my ministry days, right? But the Holy Spirit can work in connecting communities. And um, this is, comes out in our mile markers. There's, there's the, uh, things that we can measure. We can see the byproduct of the Holy Spirit working in a group of people. So we talk about, in Christian circles, the fruit of the Spirit. This is jumping to Paul in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Things like love and peace, forbearance, which is just, like, really patience, like, in despite someone being really annoying, right? Um, so forbearance, kindness, gentleness. And these are things that, in a community, can create space. That, like, think of that kind of space. If you have a place that is really peaceful and loving, kindness, uh, kind and gentle, what kind of room that is. And yeah, a as Christians, our humanity rubs off on what God is doing, and sometimes our spaces fall short of this. But when the Holy Spirit is working, this is the things that come out, and individually, but as groups. Uh, Galatians is written to a whole group of people. Paul's saying, among you, this is the fruit. These are the signs that the Holy Spirit is really in charge and is working through you. So uh, we have spaces um, where 
we can interact with the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit, when I speak of the Holy Spirit, is about that connection where we have an aspect of God that we can sometimes even physically feel when we connect, that we interact with us in a way that almost physically. Um, so we can empower our worship. It can guide us into knowledge. So we've been connecting through worship, through prayer, through meditation, and working more in a way of intuition than the black and white of text of the Bible, but the intuition can guide us uh, through our experiences and, and then can flow through our connections and empower connections. So for you this morning, might be someone who has baggage wrapped up with the term Holy Spirit. I invite you to consider just these high points, uh, being open to care, safe spaces, connection, and knowledge, uh, inviting the Holy Spirit into what we're doing. If you're someone who is creating connection, you're gathering people, uh, seek the Holy Spirit in those gatherings so we have spaces of love and peace and kindness and gentleness. Uh, I'm going to pray, and we'll wrap this up. And uh, is nope. Okay, and then we'll all go and enjoy your day. Um, thank you again for coming. Uh, but Jesus, Holy Spirit, we invite you. We we thank you for the work that you are, have been doing in our lives and throughout our communities. Would you empower our connections? Would you enlighten us, bring us uh, more knowledge of how of Jesus and how what that looks like in our lives? And for those that uh, need comfort, would you comfort? Would you, for those who need advocates, can you advocate for them and help us in our spaces also be advocates like you? In your name, amen.